Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Why don't you join with me as we pray this morning, prepare our hearts for the word. Amen. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you're still on the throne. Lord, even, Lord, in, in the light of what we read in the news and, Lord, what we hear and see swirling around us. and um, Lord, at times I speak to people and it, and it reminds me, Lord, of what my dad did years ago. Lord, he was driving and he saw a tornado develop right over his head. And then there was this little child sitting in the driveway as he got out to take a picture of it, being a reporter and all. He saw that little child and he just said, son, look up there. Do you see that? And the little boy said, what's that? He said, well, that's a tornado. You need to get into your house right now. Lord, the truth is that there are and can be things that swirl around us that we are just oblivious to. Lord, you told us in your word that, God, you would make us aware that, God, we would be like the sons and the daughters of Issachar. Lord, knowing the times, knowing the seasons, aware, discernible, awareness, God flowing through our lives. God, make us that way these days. Lord, and I pray that that would not convert into fear, but, Lord, into faith and excitement. Lord, boldness, because we know, Lord, you're on the throne. Lord, anoint our hearts and ears today to hear what you're speaking to us. Prepare us for such times. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you know that my burden as a pastor and a teacher is one of practicality. Most of the sermons I preach and try to preach are very much down to earth, and really, one of my burdens, if it was really going to compare me to pastors and, and, and leaders, is that my heart kind of really functions as an exhorter, probably more of a counselor than anything, and that is to really, really my burden is to see people get help, <laughs> to have a better life, and that there are practical things you can do to make that happen, okay, and to position yourself. So my internal question always is, how do we make this thing work called Christianity, okay? So you, maybe you know that about me, but if you didn't, now you do. There are times that people misunderstand my burden or gifting as a leader. The truth is, as much as I try to be all things to all men, at the end of the day, I can only be me. And we're all in that place, aren't we? In truth, I do become all things as much as possible while still wearing the David Schmaltz hat. <laughs> I really can't change that. And that is the way we're all created, unique and offering a view of Christ from our shape, right? And you can learn all about shape in our Elevate class. I traced... I try to stay out of the culture wars by teaching Bible and letting you decide where you stand and you know, where you will find more, most peace and joy. And I think that that's important. I think that sometimes with pastors and teachers, if we rail on the culture, that what we, what, what we tend to experience or, or receive is, is people just saying, well, you don't understand, you're not really in it, and, and we become negative and and there's really not a, a practical way to, to truly understand and how to apply. And, and, and that's my thing, is to teach Bible, let you comb through it. Now, of course, there are times when I do weigh in, and you know I like to do that. But more than anything, I believe that it is each person's individual responsibility to listen to the Holy Spirit. What is he saying to you in the light of truth as it sits there? But there are definitely times when, you know, me, I can't stand it, and I've got to weigh in from the perspective of a husband and a father and not just a Christian leader. 
I'm a man who teaches biblical priorities as being the key to spiritual, mental, and even physical health. And I'm not a perfect practitioner, that's for sure, but it is from this set of priorities that I truly live my life. Anybody knows me and my family, that's, we don't just talk that, we live it. When we talk about priorities, it does concern me when I see Christians living their lives without a true foundation, okay? We all enjoy the grace and the forgiveness of God, amen? But I see a real lack of abundant life. And that doesn't really bother me to the point of, you know, railing, but at the same time, it just, it's, I guess it's just me saying, man, you could have, there's a pleading that comes out of my heart. You can have so much more. You can have so much more. I firmly believe that our lives will follow a trajectory, okay, that comes from our, our belief system, okay? Comes from our belief system. That makes me much more than a practical pastor, but a philosophy, really, a philosopher, if you will, as a life pastor, uh, a philosophy of life pastor, more than anything. What you really believe truly directs how you live, and how you live is a reflection of what you really believe. Let me say that again. What you believe truly is going to affect how you live, okay? That is a truth. And then when we look at our life, it is going to reflect what we truly believe. That being said, how can we get a better, more abundant life? How can we get to the place? Because, look, we, you know, the talk and the walk, the walk and the talk, right? And a lot of times what we do is we just, you know, what we see is, and that, that big, huge word comes up there is, is uh, you know, being a hypocrite. You know, all Christians are just hypocrites. No, we're just people trying to figure out how to do this thing. And a lot of times, belief comes way ahead of, practical, uh, of practicing. I mean, practicing, isn't that right? A lot of times, we go through the word and we believe, we say, amen, 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 amen. And we say yes to all that, but how it plays out takes a little bit of time, doesn't it? We've got to work that out, as Paul said, working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not that he was talking about salvation in particular as much as understanding how the word of God can truly change us to make us more like Jesus. So I want to begin, I want to talk about foundation today, okay? I want to talk about the foundation. So let's start with John 1. I'm going to read this, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to comment on it, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Pretty much covered that, didn't he? And life, I'm sorry, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That, the, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's a great statement. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. 
Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. It's John 1, 1 through 14. Now what's interesting about this and in, in often is John's writing style is that he kind of sets us up and he begins with a bit of an esoteric kind of a hidden idea. And to the point where it kind of forces you to keep reading. So we start, when he talks about in the beginning was the word and the word was, 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 was with God and then was God, it's like, who is he talking about? Matter of fact, we push all the way through this whole section wondering, wondering, wondering. So really we have to begin at the end of that section to get an understanding so that it all comes back to life. We get an idea. So if we look at the end, it says the word became flesh. Oh, oh, who was this flesh? They said he was dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And now we know who it is. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. So now we go back to the top. And why don't we just replace the word with his name? In the beginning was Jesus. And the word was, I'm sorry, and Jesus was with God. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now that's important for us to understand because that settles all the issues when we think in terms of who Jesus was, is, and who he always will be. So John was, was putting that in symbolic terms so that, of course, we carry the person, but we also carry the symbol, and we'll talk about that in a minute. He was with God from the beginning, the pre-existent, pre-incarnate Christ. Okay? Before he was a baby, he was. Now John points out what we all believe, but may not truly understand or even live, and that is, that Jesus is it. And that's the thing I really want us to get today, is that in the beginning was Jesus. And it was with his son, and in the heart of God. And of course, understanding the, the full counsel of God is a very difficult thing for us to do as humans. But when we apply it, we understand what happened, of course, with the fall and what, is, what has taken place throughout Scripture. What we understand is that the son was always there, and he was always who he is. Beautiful. Awesome loving, victorious, having all the attributes of God himself. So what does it mean to me and you that Jesus is God? Well, we know he is the exact representation of who God is, and what he says is what God will always say. Now that sets us up, that that drives us even further. In other words, now, folks, we, 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 the New Testament, we have to look at it from a different light. We don't look at it as a book of suggestions. We don't look at Jesus Christ and his life and that the Sermon on the Mount was just, you know, that he was just a great speaker of, of great ideas like the rest of the world believes. See, the truth is Jesus, as the Scripture tells us, is the stumbling stone. 
And he's not a stumbling stone just because of the fact that, you know, the, the, the popular image of who he is with the long hair and the sandals and the white robe and walking around with me. That, that's not the stumbling stone. The fact that he teaches when, on the Sermon on the Mount and he, and he talked about sin and, and as he, he said, I didn't come to do away with the law but to fulfill it. And he said, and, and most certainly the moral law will continue to go forward because when you understand that, that's going to bring you life. Jesus just broke all that down in a wonderful practical way. He says, but the stumbling stone is the fact that he is God. And folks, that's where we got to go as Christians. And yet, subtly, this is being attacked on all fronts. And I think the time is coming for all of us to have to embrace this truth. Is that we are following the one and only God. But I mean, I think <clears throat> we're being... We're being uh, you know, through the ambivalence and the other things that I, w- I was sharing with a few weeks ago, it's just kind of nipping away at the truth to the point where we just settle into this kind of Christianity that is just, we belong to this kind of this club or this idea that it's this, this add-on or this, this wonderful, you know, little thing that, that, that we have in our life when the truth is it's everything. He is everything. And, 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 and so... What I want to really get at is, folks, when that is true, when we establish the lordship and the godship of Jesus Christ, it has an impact on our lives that, that is it's all-encompassing. It's going to get into every fiber of your being, every decision you make. And when you think of the priorities of your life, it's always it, what you do and what you say and how you live your life is going to flow out of that. Okay. So there are those three truths that he presented. He talked about the word. Now it's interesting that he would use that symbol. He talked about the word, that Jesus is the word. Now why would, why would John use that? Because that is something that is so impacting to us. That Remember I started off saying that what we, what we think and what we believe is going to definitely determine the trajectory of our life. It's going to impact that. And so, the words of our mouth reflect who we are. Isn't that right? And so, he uses that symbol to truly show us that that's who Jesus is. He is the very essence of God's message in every single way. That he is the word. That what, came, what comes out of the Father's mouth is the same thing that's coming out of Jesus' mouth. And that's, that is not to be confused in any way, shape, or form. And when we understand the power of our words, it makes it even more impacting. You can't separate Christ from God's word. The creative word, the spoken word, the words of truth that ultimately made clear, you know, through the teachings of Jesus. We understand that those words, again, are inseparable. So the way we handle them Obviously, the, the, the Bible writers, the translators, you know, when they had the idea of making it red, they, they were just like, they understood that his words had such impact that they, if, if allowed to penetrate our heart and into our mind, what they would do. And truly, when we talk about the creative words of God, when we speak the words of Jesus, he said, in my name, if you speak such and such, I'm going to do it. And so really, it's more than just knowing of him. 
It is definitely knowing him. But folks, really, it's not becoming him, but it's taking on all that he was and is. By reading that word, by applying that word. Folks, do you know that's where we got the word Christian? The whole word Christian comes from the believers. You can read it there in the book of Acts. They, they call them Christians or little Christ for the particular reason because they were acting like him. Acting like him. They spoke like him. They, they immediately saw when the disciples walked in before the Sanhedrin and they were going to punish them. And they looked at him and they said, and here are all these just fishermen and regular men who were not trained and having any kind of formal training at all. They were just kind of they, they, they fishermen from the day they were born. The moment they could walk, they had nets in their hands. But the moment they walked in, they just said, man, there's something about these guys. And it said they made note of the fact that they were what? They had been with Jesus. That they had inculcated, they had brought into their very essence the words of Jesus. Which was very, empow- very, very powerful. Now, folks, what I'm trying to say is we've got to, we, we've got to embrace those words. They've got to become our words. We've got to start speaking the word of God with more boldness, with more conviction. And look, it can't be just, you know, oh yeah, you know, having it on our phone and just reading that word and not really believing it. But it's something that we've read so much that it, it becomes a part of our life and we can meditate on it, we can think it, we can walk it. And not, you know, beat people over the head with that. And I, and I think that, that that's something we want, we don't, we want to stay away from. Because Jesus, he, he came full of what? Grace and truth. You've got to have both of those. Those, that's, those are either side of the same coin. Truth is very impacting. Nobody, not everybody wants to hear the truth. But when it's given with grace, that's a different thing. When God came, he brought a very heavy message. He said, look, repent or go to hell. I mean, that's pretty much what he was saying. But what he came also doing was healing bodies, delivering people, holding their hand, loving them, comforting them. That's God. That was what Jesus did. What he did is what he still does. So how should I respond to this this fact that Jesus is God and he is the word? We've got to make ourselves familiar with those teachings. And I challenge you, really, to read. And I, I'm kind of just throwing this out, and I believe this is a wonderful challenge between now and the end of this year. I challenge you to read through the New Testament from now until the new year. Fill your mind and your life with the creative power of God every day. Now, if you're reading through the Bible, I understand you're probably right in the New Testament right now, so you're right on track if that's what you do. But for the rest of us who maybe read in different places, I'm kind of a Proverbs, Psalms, you know, words of Jesus guy. That's just kind of where I live and what I do. But I really feel like that God is calling us to familiarize ourselves, to fill our mind and our heart with the words of Jesus in these days. Call it what it will, prophetic, but I believe God's speaking to us. And I want to call us to that. Let it fill your mind, your thinking. Speak these words to yourself and to others to believe them. Folks, I think the time is coming and is already now upon us. When maybe, I mean, I hate to use this symbology, but it's in the Bible, where we're going to find out the sheep and goats. We're going to find out those who are willing to stand and those who are willing to suffer maybe the consequences of being a believer. 
There's a second symbol that we find there as we read on. It talks about him being the light, that he came as a light into the world. What does that mean? Of course, light, of course, is always compared to darkness, and that's what he did there. He says, you know, the light came into the world, and the darkness could not stand it. Because when light comes, darkness disappears. So Jesus came into the world, and immediately, deception, you know, the, the, the heaviness, the, the, you know, the control, the insepid, you know, constant outflowing of lies, and, 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 and when it comes, that darkness kind of closes in. You know, it's interesting. You read, I mean, and it's not just conservative people or Christians who are saying that, but when you start seeing people who have agendas and think that they're winning the culture war, starting to say, man, I don't remember the world being this dark in my life, lifetime than it is right now. You ought to really start paying attention. When people who live in darkness say the darkness is pretty bad, it's pretty bad. Right? And, you know, and as I was preparing for this message, I said, you know, God, I don't, uh, I don't like preaching that. I don't like talking about darkness. I don't like, I mean, as a pastor, you know, we want to get up here and do the song and dance and, hey, Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells you so. Go on and have a wonderful life. But that wouldn't be doing you any good. We don't want to develop itching ears. We want to hear truth. And we need to be encouraged to walk and to stand and be courageous in the middle of these times. See, without Jesus, there is going to be darkness. And the more Jesus is attacked, which he is, the more he's going to be, you know, he's the stumbling stone. So look, if you're walking down a path and you keep stumbling over this stone, what are you eventually going to do? Get rid of it. Right? And so in our culture, we've got to get rid of Jesus. We've got to get rid of him. We've got to get him out of the schools. We've got to get him out of our communication in, in workplaces. We've got to get him out of our writings. And our, we've got to be told, no, 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 you can't, you can't talk about him here. No, it's okay to talk about Allah or Islam, but you can't talk about Jesus because those other things aren't stumbling stones to people, apparently. But Jesus surely is. And that is so biblical. It's so prophetic. It's so right there in the Bible. Okay. Without Jesus, there's stumbling. There's loss of direction. There's panic. There's grabbing. There's the bumbling and reaching and grasping for something that will bring stability. The less that we have of Jesus in our life, the more we can relate to that. The less of Jesus we have in, the life, in our life, the more we're going to experience panic, the more we're going to have a sense of... And, and you know what? I, I read that on Facebook and other places, and I see Christians, they're panicking. And I'm just thinking, man, you're not reading your Bible. He wraps this whole thing up. He wins in the end. I mean, you're going to the game and already know who, know who knows who, who wins the game. You know. And, you know, things like Ebola and all those things, I mean, you can just feel that, that, that fear just kind of swirling. I know some people that live in Texas, and they're really concerned. And, of course, you know, I mean, we all, we have loved ones, we have babies, we have people in our life, and, and we can be fearful. But you know what, Christian? Look, you belong to him. And the Bible is full of promises. And it's time to pull those promises out. It's time to realize that you can walk in through the fire and not be burned and walk through the water and not drown. 
that start calling down those promises that, that come with being a believer to say, look, you know, none of these diseases will come upon those who believe. And so, there, you know, it's time to call in. But you know what? The point is, look, if your foundation is not on Jesus, it's kind of too late to start pulling on that stuff. Man, I, I got a Bible around here somewhere. Doggone it. Where is it? Honey, where's the Bible? We got we to, gotta, I mean, you know, look. It, it, and, and this is not a funny thing, but sometimes you find people that pull out guns in a gunfight, never spend a day shooting that thing. Am I right? And they wonder why a person who's trained at the gun range is able to pick them off in a hurry. It's just like, look, you're going to mess with a gun. You better know how to use it. And in the same way, when you talk about the kingdom of God, look, if you're going to pray, uh, you need to pray a little bit more than just, you know, once a year or on a Sunday morning or a flare prayer when the traffic's not moving for you. You know? I mean, prayer needs to be something that you're familiar with and that you're comfortable with. And then, man, you know those promises that, man, you've got. Man, Psalm 91 is like your best friend. You know it. You know what those promises are for God's people. So I was talking about the light. You know, Jesus is going to bring revelation. See, light represents, of course, pushing back darkness, but it also represents bringing in that peace and that joy and that revelation and that that sense of of just well-being and knowing, you know what, I can see. I prayed that. You know, that little boy that was sitting next to my dad, I mean, he didn't even know. He was oblivious to what was going around, the danger that was literally right there. And by being people that connect with Jesus, when you connect with Jesus, he is going to bring you into his world. And what is his world? Everything. It's the universe. He's going to know what's going on. So, you know, we have Becky here today, Pregnancy Support Center. You know, one of the biggest things that obviously can happen to a young person, especially a young lady if she becomes pregnant, is to panic and to wonder, you know, my world has been turned upside down and begin to grasp at the world's solutions when God is just saying, look, I can help you work through this. We can turn this, this, this struggle into something that's very kingdom. If you'll just see. I don't have the time to really get into all of that, what is a very, very passionate thing for me, but he's the light. He's going to illuminate our path. He's going to bring, that light brings life, doesn't it? When the light is shining, the sun is bright, the garden grows, it brings life. It creates all kinds of wonderful things in our, in our universe. And Jesus is, I mean, that's one of the greatest examples that symbols could be used is Jesus is the light. And when we're letting him shine on us, there's going to be life. It's going to push back the darkness in our own lives, the confusion, the panic, all the the things that will come. And Jesus himself will reveal the darkness that assails you, including the, the lies that are coming against you. You just ask him. There are millions who have gone before us who have testified to the fact that Jesus brings light. John the Baptist was the first, was he not? And that's why John brought him out. He brought him in here because, you know, John was very highly respected and, 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 and people wanted him to be the Messiah. And he, had, and he could have, you know, he could have, the enemy could have gotten in his heart and he could have easily just started up John the Baptist Ministries and I don't know who that guy is, but hey, man, you guys come to me. 
So the moment they tried to make him the Messiah, he said, oh, no, 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 no. I am not him. I, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals in comparison. He said, there is the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And so John Baptist, John the Baptist, man, he just completely deferred it, man. He was just like, oh, no. I, had, I have one purpose, and that's just to get you guys all started on repentance. Let's get this whole thing started. Let's get the party started. And so when Jesus came, their hearts were prepared. Repentance was already moving. And in many ways, we're supposed to do the same thing. We preach the love of Jesus. We live it. And then they say, man, where do you get that stuff? They say, well, look, it's not me. Let me introduce you to my Savior. So how should we respond to the, the light? You know, the truth is a lot of us are experiencing some measure of darkness, if we'll just be honest. There's some darkness in your life. There's some confusion. Maybe there's some things that you've done that you're not proud of, and that shadow is sitting there in the background. And Jesus says, look, if you walk in the light as I am in the light, if you'll step into the light, then I will forgive your sins. That is the result. 1 John 1, 9, 8 and 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to purify us, to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's how we should respond to the light. Let it in. Open the shades, baby. Throw open, the, throw open the curtains and let him in. He is a stumbling stone, and he will cause you to stumble. He causes me to stumble when I'm running headlong into my own path and wanting to do my own thing. All of a sudden, I stumble over him, and he's just saying, uh, Dave, where are you going? You know, sometimes I think he's got a stick, and he just throws it out in front of me, right? <laughs> sometimes it's like the bicycle, you know, you stick the thing through the spokes. Boom. And look, sometimes when things like that happen in your life, that's exactly what's going on. God loves you enough to stop you. It's when he lets you go that you might be wondering, "Uh uh-oh, you know? To let his light shine, to not be afraid, to let that grace and truth to come in, to see the forgiveness of sin. Let that light shine and expose those places, but he is so ready, you know, expose. That light comes and exposes the truth, but he's already with the grace, which is to forgive and to help you become like him. Grace, grace, grace is so powerful. It is the very power of God. And God gives it to the humble, not to the proud. If we won't acknowledge Jesus, then you get none of it. So what does it mean? How do we respond? He is God. He is all that God is. And, you know, that is, again, the, the big, one of the biggest, you know, uh, stumbling stones for our community, for our world. The truth is idolatry, folks, is, is entering into the church. I, I hate to say it. There's a book that I want to get a hold of, and I had another pastor write me about it. He's going to do a series, and I wasn't familiar with it, I'm, I'm, and I'm not prepared with the title right now. But the truth is, folks, we've been letting these idols in. And these idols are coming in the forms of, of our time, of our energies, the focus of our affections. Things that are competing for the time of, and, and the passion we have for Christ. And it's not that 
It's not that we don't see him for who he is anymore. But you've got to understand, when Jesus says he is God, then some of those, then the Old Testament has to come in to help us define what that means. That means we've got to go to the, we've got to go to the Ten Commandments. And when he said, I'll have no other God before, he says, I am God, and I will have no other gods before me, none. Do you remember what happened in that experience? So they all set free, they experienced the miracles of God over and over again, water from the rock, God delivering them from a, an army of the Egyptians, washing them, I mean, they had seen all these incredible, uh, you know, tremendous, earth-shattering miracles. Just even one should all just say, you know, man, God, God's God, and that's it. But they experienced half a dozen of them. So there they are at Mount Sinai, watching fire come from the top of this mountain. Moses goes up to the mountain, and he disappears for a good long period of time. And so what happens is they're like, man, I'm bored. Man, where is that Moses? He brought us all the way. Oh, man. And once again, they begin to complain. They begin, and so somebody gets the bright idea. Well, let's make us another God. So they all gather up the gold that was plunder that they had received from the Egyptians, right? A gift from God. They took their gifts from God and formed them into an idol. Not a good idea. They pound it, hammer it, and there it is, that, the, the calf, the golden calf, and begin to worship that. And they didn't just stop there. It says they began to have revelry. I mean, you read in between the lines, folks, they began having sex around the daggone thing. They lost all sense of, and that's what happens. When, when Jesus is not, you know, as God, when, when God is not on his throne, all hell breaks, breaks loose. Really. It does. In a family, in an individual's life. See, they asked, you know, a uh, well-known Darwinist, and they said, well, you know, why do you think Darwinism caught on so strong and has so impacted our culture in the face of creationism? And they said, it's simple. Without a God, you can do whatever you want. You get a golden calf in the form of some scientific belief. You get a golden calf in some great person. You get a golden calf, uh, calf in anything that replaces Jesus in your life. Then you can do whatever you want. There's no pressure. You take the pressure off, right? Well, I, you know, if you read the rest of the story, Moses eventually came back and he said, oh, man, what's going on? Yeah, go away for a little bit of time and what this happens? And then that moment came when God spoke and he said, look, you know, this is a day of decision. If you want to stick with your golden calf, stay with it. But if you want to come and you want to see, you want to acknowledge the living God who's brought to you this place, come to me. And so they, you know, they broke up about halfway, about half the people came and Several stayed around the calf and just said, no, man, we like this calf. Scripture says the earth opened up and swallowed them. I mean, pretty powerful, scary kind of a story. But what we're supposed to take away from that, folks, is this. God is a jealous God. And God says, look, it's no different than you walking into the house of your parents and just saying, look, you're not my dad anymore. I mean, I know you did all this stuff, but I'm not seeing you as my dad anymore. I'm just, sorry. Or your mother. Just, you know, whatever, however you can emotionally connect to that. I mean, you just, and imagine, you know, what's taking place. I know you provided for me. I know you did this. I know you gave me life. I know you did all those things. But you know what? I'm, I'm hanging with them. 
God is a jealous God. And God says he also wants to continue to provide and give us life. He wants us to enjoy this thing called being a Christian. But you know what? He has to be the foundation. He wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your kids. He wants you to enjoy this journey in life. But folks, the bottom line is, until Jesus Christ is the very center of your life, he is the foundation of your life, until you recognize him as, as, as God, as you see him as the, as the word of God, that, and, and that his word has to become your words, and that, and that you've got to light him, let his truth shine in your heart until you get to that place. You're going to be stumbling and struggling and trying to make the rest of it work out. And it breaks my heart to see. God says, I'm the beginning and I'm the end. When we see him that way, all the other parts of our lives are going to come into balance. They will work the way God intended them to do. Marriage is under assault. People's sexual identity is under assault. Folks, is all hell breaking loose? I mean, you know, I mean, you can look at it one way, however you want to look at it. But we see the seams falling apart, and, and it's mainly because people don't see Jesus as Lord. And you know what? We can't you know, I, I pray over it and I've talked with pastors and there's a bit of a disillusionment and a struggle right now. But then, you know, we realize, you know what, this is not the only time that this has ever happened. The church has been here before in Rome and other cultures. The truth is, it's, we got to start with the house. <laughs> got to start with us. So don't go pointing your fingers at anybody else. Start with your own house. Start with your own life and make Jesus Lord. Make him, see him as God. See him, let, let, let your words that come out of your mouth be the very words of God. Speak and watch the, watch the creative power. Speak blessing over your children, over your marriage, over your work, rather than cursing it. Speak blessing over your future. And receive that light. Amen.